It's a great joy and delight in the middle of the week to come apart to find help, encouragement, blessing, instruction from the Lord, to find that which only God can do to touch our hearts new and fresh. And we all need that in the middle of the week. We begin, uh, as we have the expression in our country, running out of gas spiritually. And so I trust this time will be a time of great encouragement, upbuilding in your life. Have a good Bible study tonight about ministry. Uh, every Everyone in the church ministering. And so looking forward just to a wonderful time of Bible study together. We want to look to the Lord in prayer. It's the blessing of God that makes rich. And indeed it does make rich. And if God will somehow just break through the darkness in our minds and just show us what we need to know because we have great needs in our own hearts and minds. And if God will just break through and do that tonight, it would be a great delight to all of us. I trust when we go to bed tonight, our hearts and minds will be refreshed in the things of the Lord. Well, Merry Christmas to you. I'm glad that you're here. And uh, I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to get into tonight's study and give you an encouragement to serve the Lord, especially during this Christmas time. It's very important that we all get involved and uh, we all have a good testimony at this time of the year. Uh, I'm going to be reading a scripture from Romans chapter 12. Uh, Pastor Pelletier is going to give us a Bible study tonight on every member ministering. Uh, that, that's a scary word for, for, for lay people. Ministering. I, I can't minister. Well, the, the problem is that when God called me to preach, I couldn't minister either. Nobody has this ability unless God gives it. But the basis and foundation of it is love. Love does two things. It gives and it serves. And if genuine love exists in your heart, your life will be given in ministry to everyone you love. You'll give yourself to them. You will serve them. And, and you will do it with joy and you will do it because you want to, not because you're assigned a task. Mm -hmm. now, this is an amazing thing. Love always manifests itself in ministry. Husband who loves his wife, he ministers to his wife. A wife who loves her husband, she ministers to her husband. Parents that love their children, minister to their children. Children that love their parents, minister to their parents. Ministry is always the outcome. It's always the evidence of genuine love. So I'm looking forward to this tonight. If I love, I minister. Right. And if I don't love, I don't minister. If I don't minister, I don't love. Right. Uh, those, things, those things go hand in glove. And then it's a relationship with God. You, you, uh, you, you asked me to read out of Romans chapter 12. Very, very practical, very, very practical passage of Scripture, which begins with our relationship with God, and then it turns to our relationship with other believers. Romans chapter number 12, I'm reading from my New American Standard Bible. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, 
and all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. That sounds like a good servant in ministry at Hamilton Square Baptist Church. Uh, yes, sir. That's, that's what we want to encourage tonight. That will, that's what we'll honor the Lord. The Lord bless you, Pastor Pelletier, Thank now. Thank you so much. As we study God's Word. You know, the other day I was uh, just looking at something on Facebook. Some of you have Facebook, some of you don't. Some of you have, you know, put a taboo on it and whatever reasons. But I still have it. I use it as a ministry opportunity. And I was reading something that one of the ladies that I met years ago in the island of Guam, now she's living in North Carolina. I think her husband was a pastor. He may still be. I'm not sure. Uh, her brother's an evangelist. But she was talking about one day during all this COVID thing, she was just having a difficult time. She was down in the dumps and kind of feeling quite grumpy. Uh, and she said, Lord, I just, I just need a blessing today. And so she's driving to the grocery store, and along the way, uh, she saw some beautiful clouds, and the sun went right behind it. And she said, well, that's pretty, but that's not really enough. I need more. And then she went to the grocery store and had to fight her way through with her mask and through the lines and all the things that she had to go through. And frankly, she was quite dis uh, discouraged and, and really tired from doing that chore. But then she got through the, I uh, got up to the checkout line, and, and she decided to be nice to the cashier. And the cashier just overwhelmingly thanked her for being so kind to her. And my friend was kind of taken aback because she was so grateful. And uh, she said, I, I just wanted to say something nice. She says, you're the first person all day who said something nice to me. And my friend was encouraged because she was able to be a blessing to someone else. She ministered to someone else. And she found herself encouraged by doing so. I want you to understand that ministry is not just about giving. You get a blessing back from doing it. And so tonight I hope by the end of the lesson that you'll really understand that. And that especially at this time of the year when there's a lot of busyness and then we've got to deal with all of the restrictions and the extra stuff because of the coronavirus, it's very important that you and I in our interactions somehow smile behind the mask and let it see, be seen in our eyes 
uh, as we minister to people. It's not natural. It's not what we always want to do. But if we walk with the Lord and as we have a heart for people, uh, God can give us the grace that we need to do that. So let's go into our study tonight in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, uh, verses, verse 7 and then verse 11 and 12 is, is uh, kind of a takeoff from last week. Uh, last week we talked about uh, the pastors and the evangelists and all of those people. We'll do a little reviewing here today. But let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, and then verses 11 and 12. The Bible says there, To each one of us, every one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And he gave some, verse 11, as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. You know, we're talking about a thriving church, and a thriving church is one that is growing. Uh, lesson one uh, talked about what thriving is. It's not necessarily numerical growth. A growing church doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily the biggest church in town, but the people in the church are growing. They're walking in the, with the Lord. The, their depth of understanding of God's word and their love for God and their willingness to serve and, and please Him is growing. And they have a ministry heart. That's when a church is thriving. And that's what we want. Whether we're gathered together or not, we can all be thriving in that way. Lesson two is kind of a, a lesson that goes on to being like a, going to the doctor's office. You know, you go to the doctor and they do a checkup on you. And then you may discover things that are wrong uh, that need to be fixed that uh, you didn't know about until you actually talked to the doctor. And lesson two kind of exposes some things that could be wrong in, in our local church or any local church and gets us to kind of think about and examine some things that maybe need to change. And so that was a good lesson. Lesson three focused on the importance of working hard to be a loving church. Pastor mentioned that tonight about how ministry flows out of love. If we want to be a thriving church, a ministering church, we have to have that element of love. The greatest of all things is love, 1 Corinthians 13 says. Then lesson four revels in the diversity that's found in the local church. People from all over the world are able to meet, especially in a church like ours where we have so many different languages, so many different, I guess, skin tones, you want to call it. People would call them races. Uh, we have people who uh, come from all parts of the world and they meet and unite. And then they all have different gifts, different unique gifts. Some can sing, some we wouldn't want to sing, but they can serve in other areas. Some are very good in, in, the, in the area that they are in. And uh, God uses all these different people to form a unified church body uh, for the sake of a thriving church that glorifies God and encourages one another in the work of the Lord. Lesson 5 points to the gift of Jesus Christ himself and uh, how he came and how he died for us. And then he rose and ascended to heaven. And when he left, he gave gifts again. He gave the Holy Spirit and then he gave spiritual gifts to each one of us. And we all have these different gifts. Pastor read about some of them tonight in Romans chapter 12. Uh, but all of it is, is led by the Holy Spirit who helps us to understand what our gift is. And then he, then he also gives special people uh, like uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and then pastors and teachers who help us to learn how to work together for the glory of God and, and in a unified church building uh, and a unified church ministry more than a building. 
But uh, then Lesson 6 uh, spoke specifically to uh, the ideas of those who are the people that God has given. Those who We focused last week on the proclaimers, uh, the uh, apostles and the prophets who were uh, who met, saw the, the apostles who saw the Lord himself and then were able to perform miracles and the New Testament prophets and these apostles and prophets who gave us the New Testament that we can study and that we still have today and we build our church upon. And then how God gave evangelists who are really good at reaching people with the gospel and establishing churches and getting things going. But our main focus last week was on the pastor, teacher, and the, the fact that they are an under-shepherd that, that draws the church together and kind of works under the Lord Jesus Christ to guide a local church uh, in a specific direction. And the main focus of their ministry is to equip the saints, and that's mending nets. That is, we'll talk about that a little bit here in a minute. But they study God's Word. They devote themselves to the study of the Word of God so that they know what God expects of the church and then educates and, and encourages and sometimes has to bring the, uh, the, the saints in order so that we can all work together to accomplish this work. So this is what the idea of this thriving church is that we've been studying now for this six, seven, eight weeks now. Now you remember in 1 Peter chapter 4, that uh, Peter divided all of the spiritual gifts basically into two categories. He had the, the proclaimers and he had the advancers. Uh, they were the speakers and the servers, so to speak. First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 says, As each one has received a special gift, and Ephesians chapter four verse seven says everyone was given grace from the Lord, measure of, Christ, of the Lord, the measure of the Christ's gift. So we've all been received a special gift. We're to employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Verse eleven says, "Whoever speaks, those are the proclaimers, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God." A preacher or a Sunday school teacher gets up and they are to speak as a mouthpiece for deity. Someone who's trying to witness to someone is a mouthpiece for deity. You're speaking what God has said. It's not your own ideas. It's not your own thoughts. You're to give what God has said. And then whoever serves, it says in verse 11, is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So speakers and servers, proclaimers and advancers, the idea that we're working together. We have very different gifts. Some can't speak so well. They get nervous. I've heard that one of the greatest fears that people have, they'd rather die than speak in public. Uh, but then there's some who just don't mind at all, and they kind of have a gift of gab. Pastor Kelly calls it that. Amen. And uh, he really does have it. I know that for sure. But, uh, but speakers and proclaimers also need to remember that they need to be humble enough to serve when it's needed. Uh, and the back page of the lessons today, you're going to see a picture of, of my idea of the ideal servant leader. I'll let you figure out who that is. Uh, but don't get lost forever. We're going to come back to that again. But we should be able to serve for the advancement of the church. And servers are sometimes called upon to speak up and proclaim. Uh, that's what you need to be doing when you're witnessing, whether it's in the grocery store, whether it's in your own home, among your family members. All of us have these unique gifts that God has given to us. Now, the, last week we focused on pastors. And the Bible says that pastors are given for the perfecting of the saints, or to equip the saints for the ministry. 
and so we're going to be focusing tonight on the saints. Who are those saints? And then what is an equipped saint? And what is the work of the ministry that we've all been called to? And I want you to understand this. Uh, we've all been given unique spiritual gifts and abilities. And our pastors are trying to help us to develop those for the glory of God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 10 says, And he gave some as apostles, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ gave, and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12, For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So let's go to that first question. Who is a saint? In the notes you see a picture there of, a, of an angel sitting on a cloud uh, playing a harp. Um, that's really not the idea of what a saint is. Some people, when you say the word saint, you think of a super holy person who, who never does anything wrong. I can tell you that's not what a saint is. Someone, uh, someone has said that a saint is, is a person who's been canonized by maybe the Roman Catholic Church or another uh, hierarchy in a, in a church culture. And uh, they build statues for them. And I've seen people hang uh, pictures and, uh, and figures of, of these saints on their mirrors as they drive. And sometimes when they think they've almost gotten in an accident, they'll reach up and touch that saint and hope that uh, this, the saint will get them through. Uh, that's not what a saint is, according to the scriptures. Uh, someone has said a, a saint is someone who is in maybe a bad marriage or works for a really uh, hard boss, and uh, they always somehow find a way to do it with a smile. Oh, he or she is a, is a saint. Well, that's, that's not what a saint is. Uh, someone has said they're a really nice person who, who uh, has made it to heaven, and they're, they're doing what this picture shows, uh, sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Uh, and, uh, and never does anything wrong. There's this gold circle that magically hovers over their head called a halo. That, that's not what a saint is. The Bible gives us a very different idea of, of a saint. I remember years ago preaching on a passage of scripture that dealt with this. And, and I remember looking out and seeing a particular young, uh, not a young man, a man in the church that had kind of an ornery uh, disposition. And uh, not, not a troublemaker, but, but he liked to pull pranks and stuff, and I was able to call him St. Bill from the pulpit. That was really the idea. We are all saints. You and I, as believers, are all called to be saints. Um, now, that doesn't mean make, we're going to be holy and never make mistakes, but it is that we are servants of the Lord, and we're trying to, to live for the Lord and to serve Him. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, Paul, uh, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, wrote a letter to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace in which he lavished on us. 
Now, obviously, he didn't write that letter to dead people. He didn't write it to people who are up in heaven. He didn't. The Roman Catholic Church hadn't come around even by the time the, church, the letter to Ephesus had been written. So the Roman Catholic Church hadn't hadn't uh, hadn't canonized any saints. Paul was talking to when he wrote this. He was talking to real, live, breathing Christians at the church at Ephesus. And through inspiration, down through the years, the Holy Spirit is using this to apply to you and me as Christians, those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ. These are people who have families, the real life problems, we have jobs, we have uh, all of the difficulties of life, neighbors that we have to deal with, and they are to be serving the Lord uh, in the way that God intended for them. Now, it's interesting that Paul just uses uh, the pr plural pronouns us and we. So Paul included himself among the saints. You know, we a lot of times would look at Paul and say, well, he was a very special Christian. He was an apostle. Of course he was. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. He founded churches. He was very instrumental in, in training up preachers and pastors to continue in the other churches. He, was a, he traveled all over the world with the gospel. He was, he, was a, he was a man who gave his life to the Lord. But he was a real human being just like you and me. And uh, he was a saint, but so are you and me. The truth is, every Christian is a saint. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, all of your sins were crucified on the cross. They were nailed to the cross with Christ. And, and his, our sins and iniquities, he remembers no more. He removes them as far as the east as the west. And we are able to be able to stand before the Lord justified, not because we deserve it, not because we're any better than any, anybody else, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's made us beloved saints. Some of the spiritual blessings that we've been given uh, were mentioned there in Ephesians chapter 1. We've been chosen by God to be his adopted sons and daughters. We have been accepted in Jesus Christ because of his work on the cross. We have been redeemed through his shed blood. We have been forgiven and therefore are seen as holy and blameless before God. When God forgives, he doesn't uh, hold our sins against us anymore. What a wonderful thing to be called a saint. What a wonderful thing to have these gifts lavished upon us. Lavished. I love that word. You know, the term saint is a form of the word sanctified, which means set apart. Now, he didn't just make us holy and blameless and forgiven and all of that just so that we could revel in being holy and forgiven and, and all of those things. He saved us and set us apart to serve and to share what we have received as blessings with others, the blessing of salvation and other things in ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 also deals with this idea of the saints. Here's another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And if you knew anything about Corinth and people who lived there, you would not at all think of them as being saintly. Any more than people who, when I mention that we live in San Francisco, people say, San Francisco, they don't think of saints when they think of San Francisco. But Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified, set apart in Christ Jesus, saints by calling. Do you understand this? With all who are in every place, call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their, uh, their Lord and ours. Saints are people who have been called and set apart for the service of the Lord, set apart to glorify God in the way that they live, saved from our sins and our self-centered thinking, 
And now we want to start centering all of our thinking on the Lord Jesus Christ and how we can magnify and how we can please him and how we can accomplish his work in this world. A big part of living out your set-apartness or your saintly life is to do that in the context of your local church. God called us to gather together and to be worked together, strive together. It's the Lord's church, and we're to be a part of building it up. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, let me remind you again, He gave us pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the holy or building up of the body of Christ. Last week we looked at the pastors and called them equippers. And now we are to become equipped saints. Now what is an equipped saint? We talked about what a saint is, but what's an equipped saint? There's a Greek word that is uh, translated in the King James it's called uh, perfecting. And in the New American Standard we call it equipping. And uh, it's the Greek word katartizo. And there's a little diagram there that kind of shows you some of the different ways that that word is translated into English. And it helps us understand what is, ex what is uh, expected of an equipped saint. Uh, we talked about it just a little bit last week. But it's the idea of, of mending or, or making something right. It, it was defective, but now it needs to get kind of set back to its original condition. It's like resetting a broken bone. I broke this arm when I was a young man, and, and, and a doctor had to grab my arm and pull on it, and it was very painful, uh, but he set it in place, and then he put a cast on it, and then they took an x-ray, and, uh, and he said, oh, it, it moved. And so they had to cut the cast, and then they had to do it all over again, and then put it back on. And so I had this humongous cast look looked like something belonged on a leg, but but I remember the pain, and I remember it wasn't it wasn't pleasant at all. But I'm so glad they did it because my arm works today. If they hadn't done that, we'd had a real problem. So, and a pastor is to equip us or to reset things that are broken, our broken families, our broken hearts, our broken dreams. Pastors help us to get that straightened up. Uh, it's, it's to repair a ship that's been battered by years of service. I think of some saints who've walked with the Lord for many years and they fought a lot of battles. And just like a ship has, takes, a, takes a beating from the waves and the storms and the rain and the water and all of the action and the movement, the, the, the mass shift and the, and the boards start to pop. And you have to kind of get it back up on dry dock and put it back together and, and then reseal it so it doesn't leak. Uh, so that you can have all this. And sometimes we, as we get weary in service, we need a pastor to come along and to reset everything and kind of get us back into shape so that we can continue in service. I like what Pastor Herbster used to say when years ago about especially retired people. He said, you don't retire, you retread and you find a new ministry and keep on going. And, and that's what a pastor sometimes helps us to do. It's, it's to reweave a net that has been used for catching fish, and, and sometimes it gets holes in it, and sometimes it gets tattered. And, and the, the idea here of equipping a saint is to, is to put that net back together so that it is useful again, and, and repair holes uh, that need to be made better so that they will catch the fish, and the fish won't slide through, and it's strong enough to, to bear uh, up the the harvest of the fish. Those are good illustrations of what it is to equip or perfect, perfect uh, the saints, to catartizo. 
the saints for service in the Lord's work. And pastors are responsible for that. Yes, sometimes what a pastor has to say to us may be painful, uh, but it's for our good. He's been studying God's Word. He, he's been studying us. He sees weaknesses in us, and sometimes he has to point those things out. He sees strengths in us, and he wants to encourage those things. He sees usefulness that is being missed and, and how we can greater be used in service, and he finds a way to bring that together. You know, there's a picture there in the, on that, uh, that page 7 there in the notes, I think it is, where there's a doctor there, and a, and a man, the doctor's giving him some medicine, he said, no, I don't want it. And a doctor won't force a man to take his medicine. A doctor wouldn't force me to have my arm set. But I'm glad that I submitted to that because because I was able to submit to that. I'm healthy and I'm strong because of it. The doctor knew something that needed to be fixed or mended and, and I submitted to that. And you submit to a doctor. Now, spiritually, sometimes you need to submit to your pastor. He's there to help you, just like a doctor is there to help you physically and medically. A pastor is there to help you spiritually as you go through troubles, whether it be in your home, whether it be in your business, whether it be in your own personal life and habits that you've picked up on. And, uh, and that's what a pastor is supposed to be doing. He's equipping you uh, when you sometimes get sick or you fall into sin. And he points these things out so that he can set you back on the right path so that you can be a faithful, set-apart saint serving the Lord. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So, Christians, we need to be willing to listen to our pastor, because he sometimes points out things that maybe we don't see. You ever have a blind spot? You ever try to drive down these highways in California and, and recognize all of a sudden when you're getting ready to shift lanes, there's somebody there because they're honking their horn and you didn't know that until you started that way? Or your car starts beeping at you like the one I got the other day? Yet you, you all of a sudden, you need help. I like what Dean Taylor says here. He says, um, he says I realize it can be embarrassing to open up your messy life to someone else. But if you don't, it's probably going to blow up one day anyway, and then everyone will know anyway. Rather than wait until a struggle with anger or financial overcommitment or pornography or communication in your marriage turns into a disaster, seek out your pastor and ask for help. That's what we're here for. Listen, pastors don't blab what they know. Pastors don't go around telling everybody what they know. They're there to help you, to help you with your struggles, your difficulties, to point you to the Word of God, to find the answers, to mend what is broken, to repair what is torn, and to heal what is needs needs to be healed. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, He gave us some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, the mending of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Dean Taylor says this, you must put yourself in the place where you can be ministered to, the public ministry, like what we're doing right now, public ministry via live stream right now, or the public ministry of preaching in a pulpit, uh, uh, the public ministry of the word, when, and when needed, the private ministry of the word in your life, perhaps in a pastor's study, or having a pastor meet you for a cup of coffee to discuss these things and to help you to get back on track. 
when you know maybe you need a little help. Sometimes a, pa a godly pastor who walks with God sees something in our lives that needs some tweaking. And like a good shepherd who sees a sheep going astray, he will pull out whatever tools is needed to try to help get that sheep back online. Uh, David Grooms came in my office today and asked me what a stave was. Well, that's like a rod, what a shepherd has. And sometimes that stave is used for walking, and sometimes it's used for other things, but sometimes a, a shepherd will use it kind of like a weapon to say, hey, whack it, get back in line, and uh, get back to where you're supposed to be. But another sh uh, tool that a, a shepherd keeps or a pastor has is it's a, it's a crook. It's got a hook on it. Uh, I remember seeing old Bugs Bunny and, and Daffy Duck one time on, as a kid. And uh, some they had somebody out on a stage and they were acting and they were terrible. And he grabbed that hook and he put the hook around him and pulled him off stage. That's kind of what a shepherd does. When a sheep gets out of line and it needs to be brought back close to the shepherd, he will reach out with a hook and he will pull that sheep back to himself. If your pastor says, hey, let's have a cup of coffee, maybe you're one of those sheeps, uh, that need, sheep that needs to be pulled back and brought back into the fold. Maybe you started to stray a little bit. Psalm, 20, Psalm 23 talks about that. If you want to learn a little bit more about a shepherd and what a pastor's life is like, you ought to pick up that book. A, shepherd's look at, a Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. I read that years ago and it was a real blessing to me as a pastor and also as just a normal church member so I could understand what it was that pastors are supposed to be doing. We're to be helping the sheep, equipping the saints so that they can become all that God, the Good Shepherd, wants us to be uh, for Him. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. See, when a pastor steps up and he says, we need to help you, it's for your good. It's for the good of the church. It's for the glory of God. It's not about the pastor making himself your boss or lording over you. He's trying to help you uh, to become what God wants you to be. There's some questions I put in the notes. So let me read those to you. Will you let your pastor do what God has called and equipped him to do on your behalf? Will you submit to your pastor's spiritual guidance? Will you live up to your calling as a saint? Will you participate in the work of the ministry which you've been called to do and equipped to do? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 again, He gave some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. I think last week we pointed out in the King James, there's a little comma in there that makes it look like the pastors are equipped the saints and then the pastors are to do all the work of the ministry. No, it doesn't work that way. That's not what God intended. God wants us all to be participating in the work of the ministry. So what is this work of the ministry? Many Christians have this misnomer. They have this idea that pastors are called to the ministry, but we're just there to support them and to, to give them give our money and to, and to uh, just kind of cheer them on when they go to the pulpit and say amen once in a while and sing the songs in the, in the, uh, in the song service and, and then go home and just forget about it until the next time the service goes on. Uh, that's, I think a lot of church people feel that way. A lot of people feel that way. But God has called every one of us into ministry. I know God's called me into the ministry of a pastoral type ministry. I've been a lot of different roles, but that's kind of a role where it is a leader and a, and a helper and equipper of the saints. 
But some people are just called to serve and to, to, pull, to, to be a part of that in that way. Again, we talked about the speakers, and then we talk about the servers. It doesn't mean speakers don't serve and servers don't speak, but it's just a, there's, there's a focus of our life that we're talking about here. A lot of people think that the ministers are like the players on the soccer field or the football field, and boy, they're out there working really hard. And then they're just the spectators who buy the tickets and buy the popcorn and the hot dogs and sit up in the stands and cheer them on when they do a good thing. Or boo when they do something really bad. People are pretty good at that. But the fact of the matter is we're all supposed to be in this together. It is a teamwork. It's, we, there is no such thing as a spectator in God's ministry. We're all to be participants. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, that gift that God gave you. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who's speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. You say, well, I can't minister. God gave you strength to minister in some way. You may not be able to preach in a pulpit. You may not be able to go to the mission field. You may not be a Christian school teacher. You may not be one of those other people that we call full-time Christian servants. But you do have a gift that God wants you to use. And if you love the Lord, and if you love people, and you love lost souls, you'll try to find out what that ministry gift is. Verse 11 goes on and says, So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When Matthew plays the piano, he's glorifying God, and he's serving the Lord, and he's ministering to us. When someone sings a solo, they're ministering to others. They're not, just up there, they're not just up there performing. I hope not. If they are, I hope they don't sing anymore. Uh, but when, when we get together, whatever it is that you have the ability to do, you need to give it as a service to the Lord. What kind of work do you do, Dean Taylor asks. What, seriously, what do you do? What is your occupation in the church, the body of Christ? You should have one. It may be taking out the trash. It may be cooking a meal for lunch and mingle. It may be working in the nursery. It may be something like that. It may be running a vacuum cleaner. It may be passing out tracks on a corner. But God has something that he wants you to do. You have something that you can do for the Lord. Dean Taylor goes on and says, that may sound strange to you. You don't go to church to work. In fact, it's pretty nice to sit back on Sunday and just take it in. Uh, I mean, right now you're doing it on your couch at home, right? I mean, you work all week and this is the day your pastor is supposed to do the work, right? Of course, there are a few people who like to get really involved, so they volunteer for all kinds of positions and projects, but everyone doesn't need to be that gung-ho, do they? Well, you should be. Frankly, you should be. If you really love the Lord, you'll be gung-ho about serving Him. Everyone should be gung-ho about the work of the ministry. We're to be involved in the work of service. That's what you have been called to do. That's what your pastors are equipping you to do. Work. What is work? It's not just a four-letter word that we want to ignore. It is activity for a purpose. It is an occupation. Like Amish barn raisers, if you've ever seen them, they all work together. And if one of them's just standing around sipping Cokes, I can tell you those Amish people will say, you better get with it, buddy. We need your work. We need your help. These beans are pretty heavy. And we need somebody else to help carry this load. 
you're either a helper, you're a hindrance to the work of Christ. And I'm not here to chide you, but I want you to understand that it's important that you get involved in ministry. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The gates of hell will not overcome it. Now that's an important work that Jesus Christ came to do. And if you're a servant of the Lord, and you walk with the Lord, and you've been a saint set apart for that purpose, you'll want to get involved, and you'll want to do your part. To what greater work could we give our lives? To make money and then die and leave it all behind? To build a big house and leave it for somebody else? Whatever. What is it that we're working for? Are we working for the cause of Christ? Dear Saint, a local church can only thrive to its fullest when you do your part. We need your gift, whatever that might be. Just like your body needs a spleen and a liver and a lung and a big toe that nobody ever wants to look at. But we need those things and we need you to do your part in the local church. We've all been called to the work of ministry. I've given you a few paragraphs from some commentaries in the notes there about the ministry. Vance Havner talks about this. It's not just a specialized group of people like pastors who are called to the ministry. It's every one of us. Dean Taylor at the bottom says, Both pastors and church members are called to serve at the local church. Some of these church occupations have titles or positions, such as deacons, Sunday school teachers, Bible study leader, treasurer, uh, or some other thing in the church. But many occupations in the church have no title whatsoever. There's work that needs to be done. And Christians step up and do it. This may include, but is not limited to praying. I remember asking my grandmother one time, What how are you doing? And she says, Dan, I just want to go to heaven. I, I can't do anything. I'm stuck in this nursing home. I said, Grandma, you can pray. I said, that is a huge ministry that you can have. And if you're stuck in a situation where you're shut in and you can't get out, there's a ministry that you can have. As long as you have a good mind and as long as you have the ability to think straight, you can keep a prayer list and you can pray. And we need people to be doing that. Counseling, welcoming, caring for children, giving, comforting others who are hurt, vacuuming, brewing coffee, preparing and delivering meals, giving someone a ride, singing, organizing, bookkeeping, maintaining and repairing facilities, encouraging, operating technology. Oh, we need people to do that. Uh, all of these are work of the ministry that God wants us to get involved in. And maybe there's some things that are not on that list. Maybe you have thought of something that nobody else has brought up that you think you could do for the Lord. You want to do something shocking? Go see your pastor and say, what can I do in the church? How can I help? After he picks up off the floor and, and, says, and has a moment to think, he'll think of something. I'll guarantee it. Because there's all sorts of things that we need to be doing in the work of Christ. A wise pastor once said this. I think Pastor Innes also, who is also a wise pastor, mentioned this. For a church to grow... To thrive. Each individual member has to grow. How are you growing? Are you closer to the Lord today? Are you using your gifts more today than you were a year ago or two years ago or 10 or 15 years ago? How are you farther along in the work of ministry today? You need to keep growing. And if you need help with that, that's what pastors are here for. Pastor read that long passage in Romans chapter 12 tonight. It's really good. 
look at that again, study that out, find out what it is that you have been called to do. Now, how do you get started in this work of ministry? First of all, recognize it is a privilege to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't care what your political preferences are, if the President asks you to work for him, I think you'd probably be honored to do so, at least for a while. And then, and then, then accept the responsibility of your calling and giftedness. No one else can do your service for the Lord. I think someone said not long ago, no one else can sing your praise to the Lord. But nobody else can do your service for the Lord like you can. And we need you to do your part. Find a place of service. You don't know how. You don't know what to do. Pick up an apron and, and start picking up plates at lunch and mingle like the boys in the pictures at the bottom of the page. Uh, make a meal like Pastor Ennis has and uh, fix a sandwich like him for the people in the church. Even a child is known by his doings whether his work is pure and whether it be right. Even a child can serve the Lord. You are a child maybe uh, that's watching today with your parents and you're saying, I don't know what I can do in the church. Well, there's something you can do. And we'll help you find it. We want to get you started while you're young so that you will serve the Lord for your whole life and enjoy the blessings of ministry. Who knows what God will call you to do? I'm still waiting for that one young man I've been challenging to put together his study of Psalm 1 to get it put together so he can preach it sometime, maybe on live stream. We'll see how it works out. But we want to get busy in this work of the ministry. Why? Because we love the Lord. Because we love our church. Because we love the lost and want to see them reach for Christ. Are you involved in this idea of every minister ministering, every Christian ministering, all of the saints equipped and serving the Lord in their unique role? I trust that you are. Pray about that. Ask God what, we'd ha what he would have you to do and how you can do it even in the middle of all this COVID stuff. God wants to use you. Let's close with a word of prayer and I'll let you think on these things. Father, thank you so much for what you have provided for us in salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the grace of being forgiven. Thank you for the grace of being called. Some of us have never thought of that before. And I pray that maybe tonight the lights have come on in somebody's mind. And I pray that you'll help uh, each one of us to be willing to follow your calling in our lives, whether it be full-time ministry, so to speak, going to the mission field, being a pastor, being a, a missionary, being an evangelist, or whether it's just serving in the church, picking up and passing out tracts and being counted for the cause of Christ some way. Lord, give us an understanding of our calling and help us to be willing to serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.